four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can fill the conference championship thrills with step-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code SOTS. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the promo code SOTS. You have to be 21 plus to enter and officially residing in Louisiana. And if you know someone with a gambling problem, crisis counseling is available by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. $200 in free bets valid, one per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 bet, Promo code required, $200 issued as free bets that expire seven days, 168 hours after being awarded. Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, and I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. On this edition, we're going to be talking about rookie wide receiver Chris Olave, and uh, was he snubbed from being a finalist for the Offensive Rookie of the Year? But of course, uh, Upon uh, starting this show, um, we got some breaking news. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have hired uh, former Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Wright. So Frank Wright will be the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And I say this with so much confidence. The Carolina Panthers now have the best head coach in the NFC South. I'm going to say that again. The Carolina Panthers have the best coach in the NFC South. So congratulations to Frank Wright. Everybody knows how I feel about the guy. Everybody know this guy was definitely at the top of my list when it comes to uh, head coaches. And uh, the Carolina Panthers, they got themselves somebody. And, uh, you know, the, the question now is, what's going to happen with Steve Wilkes? Well, I think the Saints need to, you know, look at that situation really, really closely because, you have two guys that were part of your co-defensive coordinating room and Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen both interviewing for other jobs. So if I were the New Orleans Saints, um, if one of those teams or uh, two teams end up taking away both of my coordinators, uh, then I'm probably going to be calling up Steve Wilkes. I'm calling up Steve Wilkes because that man coached some defense and he's definitely a leader of men. So um, I, I would be keeping a close eye on that situation Steve Wilkes, uh, unfortunately, won't be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, 
But the way that he had those guys playing uh, this season, I think he deserves to have an opportunity to be a head coach again. And I'm pretty sure it's not going to be hard for him to find another job, you know, as a defensive coordinator for the time being. So uh, congratulations once again to Frank Wright. Now the Saints have to find ways to try to, you know, try to get on that level. Because if you look at the Carolina Panthers, man, they're not too far off for being a contender and one of the best teams that's coming out this this division. So the Saints better, they better catch up with these guys for they for they kind of pull away. I mean, you're already taking two steps back, in my opinion, allowing Dennis Allen with his old no head coaching self, having him on the sidelines yet again. So you don't want to you don't want to push yourself all the way back. So they better be able to make some adjustments uh, going forward. But let's go ahead and talk about Chris Olave. Uh, Chris Olave, incredible season, over 70 catches, or he had like 1,040-some-odd yards, four touchdowns. And you have to who that nation there and up in arms. They're mad. They're frustrated. You're, you're ticked off at the fact that Chris Olave uh, wasn't a finalist for Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, three finalists that the NFL decided to select. And I say decided to select. I, I say that because it, it, it speaks volumes about this. Uh, you got Kenneth Walker, the running back from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you got Garrett Wilson, uh, the wide receiver from the Jets. And then you got Brock Purdy uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. And people are wondering to themselves, well, Chris Olave, he has over 70 catches. He has 1,000 yards, and he only played 15 games. And Brock Purdy, he only been a quarterback for the 49ers for a cup of coffee. And, and you know, then you have Garrett Wilson. I, I want to say this very, very clearly. I want you to understand this. The NFL is a popularity contest. I'm going to say that again. The NFL is a popularity contest. They, they are big on storylines and things that move the needle. And the people that are voting are members of the media. And we all know that the media loves a juicy story. They love a comeback story. They love an underdog story. And if they can do their part to push that agenda, then they're going to do it. Look at these individuals, folks. Look at them, okay? Look at the three people they selected, three players they selected. Let's let's start first with Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker started off the season. He, he wasn't even a starter. Rashad Penny was, right? Rashad Penny ended up getting injured in a game versus the Saints. And Kenneth Walker runs, what, a 60-yard touchdown against the New Orleans Saints and never looked back. He went over 1,000 yards. Looked really, really good. I don't know if anybody follows this, the, the Seahawks like that. But the dude is a really good running back. And not to mention the Seattle Seahawks got to the playoffs. All right. That's very, very important. Then you have the New York Jets. Do I need to say anything else? Right. Big media market, always the center of attention, no matter if they're losing or not. You got yourself a guy that can catch the ball. That's a dog out there in Garrett Wilson. Of course, they're going to put a lot of eyes and a lot of attention on him being in the New York market, being a wide receiver for a New York team. That's another. And then Brock Purdy. Come on, man. The dude was Mr. Irrelevant, picked last in, in this past draft, and he is undefeated as of right now. He was 5-0 and going into the postseason with 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. Dude is an underdog. Once again, they love a underdog story. I'm talking about the sports writer, the Associated Press. They love – stories like this so of course they're going to put him out there and it wouldn't surprise me at all 
if he doesn't win it because that's just the way that it goes. Like, we all know that that's how they vote. Like, these were votes by the media. So that's the way they vote. It's almost like with the Heisman, right? You can pick defensive players for the winner Heisman. You can pick a cornerback. You can, like, but they rather try their best to pick a quarterback or a running back, right? If you look at what Devontae Smith when he won the Heisman, I mean, it was a COVID year and people were barely even playing. If, if, if Smith would have been playing in a year that wasn't abnormal like the pandemic year, he wouldn't have won a Heisman. That's just the way it goes, man. They It's more about the storylines more so than the actual individual. Now, I know I, I got a lot of people upset when I said this, but I, I said here, I wouldn't take anybody off that list to put Chris Olave. I'm sorry. I would not take anybody off that list to replace them with Chris Olave. Chris Olave caught a lot of passes because, I mean, who else was going to catch him? Like, seriously, who else was going to catch these passes? I mean, Marquez Callaway was in the doghouse. Uh, you had what? Deontay uh, Hardy. He wasn't playing. I mean, who, what other wide receiver was going to catch this? Michael Thomas is injured. Jarvis Landry is injured. Who are you going to build your team around? I mean, Chris Olave got a lot of targets, a lot of targets. So it was it was it impressive that he got a thousand yards? Yeah, because if you get a thousand yards, it's, it's pretty tough. But Garrett, like if I'm like if I'm being honestly, and I'm I'm being one hundred percent, Chris Olave is not the best wide receiver in in, in this class based on what I saw. Garrett Wilson is better than he is. There were too many times where Chris Olave had an opportunity to really separate himself from like he, we we shouldn't even be having this conversation. He had opportunities to separate himself from this conversation. But when a game is on the line, how many times have we seen this dude drop the ball? How many times have we seen this dude fumble the football? How many times have we seen this dude come up short? And I think that the game that everybody was paying attention to. And it, it was probably one of his worst games. It, it was nationally televised. It was on Monday Night Football. It was when the Saints took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know you all remember that. When Andy Dalton threw a pass to him and it would have set the Saints up. Now, I don't know if the Saints would have scored, but it would have put the Saints in the red zone and he drops the ball. He drops it. The game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, like he was supposed to come down with the football. They rooted not being a catch. It's too many times where Chris Olave had the eyes of the nation on him and he and he came up short. And when these these media people are picking and deciding who is going to be the finalist, those games come up. That's all I'm saying. Not to say that okay, the, I'm not saying to sneeze at a thousand yards and four touchdowns, but I understand why they didn't select him. I mean, Gary Wilson to me is better than he is at this stage of his career. Like honestly, even Joyce Pickens at this time, because of his mind frame and his energy, I feel like it's better. But that's not to say that Chris Olave won't end up being that way. I just think that Chris Olave, I think there's a reason why Chris Olave was a vertical threat at Ohio State, and you had Garrett Wilson that was more of the, you know, the the possession guy, the guy that was out there winning the 50-50 balls. I think that. I think that what the Saints wanted Chris Olave to do the, his rookie year, he didn't get opportunity to do it. 
because I think that the Saints would have picked him as more of a vertical threat and had like Michael Thomas and them working the field, him and, and Jarvis Landry. So because of those two guys' injuries, it caused it caused them to kind of speed up the process with Olave and a lot of the things that he needs to work on, you know, he had to kind of do it in real time. So the sky's the limit for the guy. Now, do I feel like the way I feel right now is an indication of what the future holds? No, because I think that the way that the Saints positioned Olave, you know, I mean, it probably was a blessing in disguise because now he comes in and he goes into his second season. And if he gets himself a little bit stronger, get a little bit more muscle on him, you know, and be able to come down with some of those old passes and get a little bit more physical, I think we'll have a different conversation. But look, I'm not I'm not one of those people that just going to weigh the pom poms. Like if you ask me, if you ask me and I'm just I'm just going to keep it a buck. If Rashid Shaheed was in the same position as they put Chris Olave, then we would be talking about we'll be talking about Rashid Shaheed. Rashid Shaheed, like, to me, is no different than what Chris Olave is. Like, seriously, I, I, I look at them as, like, on the same scale. Like, and it's crazy to say that because Chris Olave is a first-round draft pick. He's a guy that's sort of, like, separating himself. But do you see, like, a difference between Olave and, and Shaheed? No. Like, I, I just feel like if my – like, let's just say there was no Chris Olave. And you had Rashid Shaheed. Rashid Shaheed would have had 70 some catches, 1,040 some odd yards, and four touchdowns. So I, I don't know. I, th- I think that it was based on the targets, him being thrust into that number one spot prematurely. And um, I think that, you know, that had a lot to do with it. Not to say that he's not good. I'm just saying, like, I understand why they didn't select him. Because, like I said, the sports writers, they're the ones that select these guys. And when you're watching a team on national TV and their star receiver, the guy that everybody was ranting and raving about, had like one of his worst performances, that's all they got to go off of. Because the thing is, who that nation, these guys aren't watching Saints games like us. They're not. They're, they're not watching it. So they, they get it like in sample size. It's almost like they're watching the red zone. So when you have the opportunity to have the eyes of the nation on you, you got to be able to rise to the occasion. You got to be able to do that. And no matter if they're singing your praises or not, if they see you and there's opportunity for them to see you and you're not doing what all the prognosticators were saying that you're doing, well, it's going to make them kind of reluctant to vote for you. So I think that's what it is. So I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. That's that's not to say that uh, Chris Olave, you know, didn't have a a good season. And uh, what are we doing? Like, honestly, what are we doing? Like, even if he was a finalist, he wasn't going to win. I mean, because we know that they try to they try to give that to guys whose teams have been in a postseason or playing in a Super Bowl, right? So I don't think he would have won it anyway. At, at best, he probably would have just got a trip to NFL honors. That, that, that's probably what he would have got because he wasn't going to win it. And that's something that I, I know for I know for a fact that probably wouldn't happen because. They, you got so many people that think much highly of Garrett Wilson than they do Chris Olave. And then you have Kenny Walker out there who basically went over a thousand yards and he what he started around week five, week six as a starter. So 
man, this dude kind of went on a tear for like 10 or 11 games. So he wasn't going to win it. Like he would have got the trip. Like he would probably got the, you know, the hotel accommodations <laughs> and, and, and be able to, you know, dress up and look nice, but he wasn't going to win. I mean, that, that's just my opinion. But let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Offensive rookie of the year should be Purdy. I don't know if he played five games. He was great. If not, it should be Olave. Look, I, like I said, I, if I was picking Chris Olave, I would just be doing it based on being pure bias. I, I'm uh, That's just the way I feel. I'm sorry. I would just be being biased because I'm a Saints fan. I feel like, and I watch, and I watch Gary Wilson a lot, a lot, a lot. Right, I watched a lot of like, based on what I seen, he was better. The only difference is, he had other people that that could get the ball just like him, so he had to spread it around. Who was like honestly? Who was Chris Olave competing with? Who was he competing with for targets? There were times where Chris Olave would get 11, 12 targets per game, versus Garrett Wilson, who probably would get about five or six. And he'll probably catch all five or, you know, catch all six or miss one. So he was like, you you had other guys out there. You had like Elijah Moore out there. You had Corey Davis out there. You had, uh, you know, uh, CJ Uzama out there. I mean, you had, all, you know, other people that could share the ball. I mean, if Chris Olave, like if Chris Olave didn't catch the ball, who was going to catch it? Who was going to catch it? So sometimes numbers and stuff like that can be inflated and it can say one thing about one guy. And it, you, it will probably make you create a narrative about another. But based on what I've seen this season, based on the, watching these two guys play, Garrett Wilson had a better rookie season than he did. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, remember Saints uh, fans, Marcus Colston was consistently stellar and never made a Pro Bowl. Let's see, Alave played in two less games than Wilson, and he started three less, and Wilson had the same amount of targets per game. Uh, let's see. Chris only had four touchdowns. Wilson has four. Alave dropped too many passes to be named rookie of the year. Two fumbles lost and many drop passes uh, that were super hard catches, but uh, he could have caught it. Uh, I'm still ticked from that game. Breaking news, not so breaking anymore, Lee, but we'll let, we'll let you have it. Uh, Frank Wright just signed a deal with the Panthers. We already kind of talked about that at the beginning of the show. Actually, everybody hit the like button, by the way, if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast. And thank you for that, Keen Arthur, because I just mentioned that. Uh, let's see. If Jameis came back, Olave definitely had bigger numbers. I agree with that. I, I would agree with that. Um, he probably would have about 13, 1,400 yards because the one game that that his, his largest receiving yard game came in the game versus Carolina when he almost had 200 yards received. You know, I think he had like 180 some odd yards. So yeah, he probably I honestly I think that he probably would have been looked at a little bit differently by me. And you know, because Jameis would have been able to utilize Chris Olave's biggest strength, which is his top speed, right? He could take the top off the defense. Like I said, with the injuries to Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, it caused Chris Olave to kind of be, you know, work within, you know, <laughs> work within the soft spots, right? He wasn't really taking the top off the defense, right? He was just finding the soft spots in the zone and, you know, catching these passes. And, and luckily for him, he's a very good route runner. 
but he's an even better vertical threat. So that was the Saints to me wanting him to do. I don't think it was a coincidence. Most of the time when we was watching the footage from practice, you were seeing Jameis Winston throw that thing down the field 40, 50 yards, and Chris Olave was running under it because I feel like that's what they wanted him to be. He was going to be the vertical threat. He was going to be the one that take the top off the defense. And I think that instead of four touchdowns, I think it probably would have been double. I think he probably would have had like eight, maybe nine, right? And I think that his numbers probably, he probably would have had about 13, 1,400 yards as well because I think he would have had more 100-yard games than he ended up having this season. What up, TJ, bro? How are you, TJ? Are you ready for the Super Bowl? Uh, the final two games of the week. Uh, what is Chris Olave uh, not a, a academy for uh, rookie of the year? Why is Chris Olave not on that list? I don't think he's not on the list. I think if the list is like top five, he's like number four. So he's just on the outside looking in. Like, I'm telling you, like, at, at best, he he would just find his way to NFL honors. He would just find his way to NFL honors. He to, He wasn't going to win. I, I do not see him win. I cannot see him winning with a guy who plays in a New York market with the same type of numbers that he had. A guy who team made the playoffs and he's running, he's a running back and he went over a thousand yards. And a guy who is who don't even supposed to be in the spot that he's in. Just the biggest outlier. He can go down in history as the biggest outlier in NFL history. So at best, to me, Chris Olave would have just made a trip and, and put on a nice tuxedo. <laughs> uh, let's see. Honestly, I agree. Shahid showed up every time his name was called. Olave uh, is a compliment to Mike T, and Shahid is a compliment to Olave. Mm, I think, like, to me, I don't see I don't see too much of a difference between Shahid and Olave. Not this season, at least. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, next year, you'll probably see a separation, which you should. And that separation should include Chris Olave stepping out to being that true number one that we want him to be. If It's two things that can happen, right? If they end up coming back to training camp and off-season activities and Shahid is on the same level as Olave, I would be wondering how good Chris Olave is. Not to say that Shahid isn't good, but I'm just saying, like, there should be a separation between the two. But watching these guys last season, I mean, if Chris Olave didn't exist and the Saints had Rasheed Shaheed, I think Rasheed Shaheed would have put up the same type of numbers. I think he would have put up the same type of numbers as Chris Olave. I mean, I could be wrong, but based on what I've seen, how this dude number was all when his number was called, he always answered the way his big playmaking ability. I think their numbers would have been the same. Alave is definitely the better player, a better route runner. Uh, I told my brother the best wide receiver on the team is Shahid. I don't think he look. I don't. I, as far as fundamentals, as far as fundamentals, Alave is better. But you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell that by watching last season because it looked like they was kind of on the same playing field. Second of all, why do we even care about the MVP? It's just a popularity contest. Ramsey, that's all. That's what I've been saying. Like, when people getting upset and all up in arms, that's exactly what they want you to do. Like, the, the, the sports writers that, that vote and put all this stuff out there, they want us to have this barbershop talk about 
who got snubbed, who should be there, who shouldn't be there. That's what they want, right? And they knew that Brock Purdy's election was going to warrant this type of conversation. I don't know if I agree with that, Josh. I don't know. Let's see. I'm going to stroll down a little bit. Uh, Lave was uh, being bracketed in some games because defenses knew he was the number one receiver. No excuse for the drops. But the kid had a great year, and I think he would have produced more with a better quarterback. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Like I, I said it. Like his, his touchdown numbers probably would have been doubled. You probably would have seen a little bit of an uptick when it comes to his receiving yards. Mm, yeah, I, he would have he would have been better. He would have been better. Uh, the Jets had the momentum the first half of the season, so Wilson and Sauce were looked at more than uh, our losing pedestrian offense. Well, yeah, and we probably you probably going to see what you seen back in 2017. You're going to see Garrett Wilson win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and you're going to see Sauce Gardner win a Defensive Rookie of the Year, kind of like when with with Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, when you not no no disrespect to Kenny Walker or anything like that, but man, this this these are New York guys. Like they play on a team that's in a big media market, and they're finding success. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see what we seen back in 2017 when you have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year on the same team. I picked Alave off the stats and ignored those hard drops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, but you know the crazy thing about it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if if Chris Alave didn't play for the Saints, right, and let's just say he got picked and Garrett Wilson played for the Saints and he didn't get picked, we'll be, man, you seen all them drops he had? Man, what about that game versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, we would have been bringing that up, but because he's our guy, we kind of <laughs> we kind of just let the the imperfection slide. Like I, I can't do that, man. Look, I, I'm and I don't feel like anybody should. I think we should be be real. Like nobody's talking about the imperfections or talking about the drops that he have because he's our guy, and that uh, that played a huge role in why I feel like he wasn't a finalist. Because the games in which that were televised, he didn't really show up. Or, you know, he had like a, a, one, a fumble or, you know, like a drop. Like, you can't do that. Now, you remember that game versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers? That was America, like the first time, right? When they threw that deep pass down the field, Jameis threw a deep pass down the field to him and he fumbled the football, right? That was a, that was a t nationally televised game where you had a bunch of people, eyes on it. And then yet again, you did it again when you went to Tampa, you know, so man, like guys are looking at that stuff. Media people are looking at that stuff. And that probably was one of the deal breakers. Like, man, this is the guy that everybody been talking about. Uh, I would have joined the Saints, but I didn't want uh, the IB ripping them dude to start calling me fart, <laughs> fart right. Uh, Frank Reich, thank you very much, man. Congratulations to you. Uh, I'll leave it at this. A lot of average uh, better stats per game in almost every category. That's because he got more targets, man. Like, that's because he got more targets. That's because he got more attention. Like, who else were you going to throw the ball to? Versus, like, Garrett Wilson. Like I said, he's sharing, he's sharing the ball with, like, two, three other receivers that can go get it just as much as him. 
So, I mean, Chris Olave is going to get become like the center of attention. Like we can we can try to make sense out of this all we want to, but like the Saints didn't make the playoffs. They were a boring football team. Nobody was really interested in them at all. And the guys that you're competed against, once again, they play in a larger market that people care about. Rather, the team wins or loses. In order for the Saints to get the attention of the masses, in order for them to get the attention of the masses, they got to do more <laughs> than what the other team does, right? Like the Cowboys can lose every single game, and they still gonna they still gonna uh, start sports and talking uh, talking about the Cowboys. The the Jets can be losers for the rest of the their existence, and they still gonna get talked about. When you got teams like the Saints, when you got teams like the Jags, when you got teams like the Vikings, when you got teams like that that are considered like small market teams, they got to win and they got to produce in order for anybody to care about anything they're doing, no matter how great it is. So, Chris Olave was a victim of that as well. And like I said, not to mention you have other guys out here that got better storylines than what Chris Olave and the Saints are going. I mean, Brock Purdy, I mean, that's a storyline like ready to be written. And then, you know, you can also just add on like Kenneth Walker, right? Because nobody expected the Seahawks to do a doggone thing this season. So it, it's not so much about the talent or the stats or anything like that. If If they feel like the stats are kind of, relatively close because here's the thing uh kt nobody is going to be sitting up here looking at stats and statistics like you're doing it right now like people only do that stuff when they're trying to justify the wrongdoing of somebody but anybody else that probably don't have a, a dog in the fight so to speak that's not a fan of the team they ain't gonna care like oh garrett wilson he he had a you know he must have had a better year than chris Olave. you know nobody cares at the end of the day Bro, we made no changes. We basically ran it back with the trash. <laughs> we have Panthers at this moment, or better, just saying, in my opinion. Yeah, man, the Panthers are a good football team. They just they just need a quarterback and a coach. To me right now, they definitely got the best coach in, in, in the division. Panthers hired a coach. Broncos may go Ryan now. Are we running out of teams for Peyton? No uh, ideal. Not ideal. Uh, excuse me, it's Cajunomics. Uh, Cajunomics, I'm over that whole Sean Payton situation. Look, I, <laughs> the Saints brought this on themselves. They they did it to themselves. They Their arrogance got them to this point. Their arrogance put them in this position that they're in right now because they had a false sense of reality of who they really were. And they also didn't take into account the, the coach that, that stepped down and moved on. And they just thought that they can just fill it in with just any random guy, any Tom, Dick, and Dennis Allen that you can find. So they brought it on themselves. Like, we, I guess we feel desperate as a fan base a little bit because we feel like, man, all hope is lost. And maybe if we can just get a first-round draft pick, maybe it could, it could right the wrong of what happened last year or in last year's draft. Man, I don't know. They brought it on themselves. Like, if the Saints are just sitting back and just thinking, man, I hope that Sean Payton find a team so we can get their first-round draft pick. Please, if they think like that, man, everybody need to be fired. They need to find ways to, based on what they are right now, 
they need to find ways for them to find, you know, find a, a winning recipe. I don't feel bad for them. And I'm definitely ain't sitting around like waiting for Sean Payton to take a job so we can get a first round draft pick because I think that we <laughs> we we got like this uh we got this false sense of uh hope, you know, that everybody was gonna be beating down the door for Sean Payton. And Sean Payton just got a slap in the face. Like no matter what you think of yourself, we can find guys that are just as good as you (laughs) and we can get them for much cheaper than you. So this is a, this is a a harsh reality right now, but the saints brought it on themselves. They got to find a way to get themselves out of it. Uh, Many are called, but few are chosen Kingston. Uh, Purdy is winning it. Uh, Jets didn't make the playoffs and Geno Smith uh, was a more of a story than Walker. Yeah, I mean, but when we know that Geno Smith more than likely gonna win comeback player of the year, uh, Brock Purdy. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's a good story. It's a good, it's a good story. All right, it writes itself. Pick dead last in the draft. Nobody expected for you to be in the NFL, but here you are, and and you're playing in one of the biggest moments in in the NFL, right? The NFC Championship game. I mean, that story writes itself. But I will say this, um, if that does happen, then I am definitely going to be questioning the validity of the NFL. Like, are we just are we going with who the best player is? Are we just going with storylines? I mean, it's obvious you're going with storylines, but like, don't make it so blatant that you're trying to go with storylines because Rock Purdy went five and oh as a as a starter. Yes, but all these rest of these guys have played in 10. 10 plus games. You can't, you got to take that into account. You're right. He's our guy. And if it's my guy versus their guy, then it's close. My guy is the guy. Exactly. That's just the way that it go. We're going to find ways to make it work when it works and when it benefits us. And we're going to try to find ways to not make it work when it doesn't benefit us. But you know, that, <laughs> but I, I don't, you know, I don't feel like, that's you know that's not the right thing to do. Sometimes we got to look at things objectively and 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 take our biases out of it. You know, like I when I evaluate a guy, I evaluate a guy based on you know what they what they're doing or what they have done and what the trajectory is. You know, like I feel like that's fair because you know we all want to be judged like that. Uh, let's be real: is Da fault for playing Andy Dalton? Jameis would have. Had him at 1,400 yards easily. I agree with that. Olave averaged 7.9 targets a game. Wilson with 8.6, I believe. Uh, Just saying, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, TJ, with the eye test on Wilson and Olave. Yeah, you know, um, both of these, like I said, both of these guys are extremely talented, and I I appreciate that, Uh, you know, those uh, statistics right there. I'm looking at it from, like I said, I'm looking at it from a regional standpoint. I'm looking at it from <laughs> who they play for. I'm looking at the the personality that they have. And I'm also looking at the moments that they have. Like somebody mentioned this, and I apologize because I can't remember who did, but the Jets had a, a roaring start, right? It was it was a moment where people was like, man, the Jets may be one of the best teams in the league. I mean, they had like a six-game stretch where they you thought they were the best team in the league. And during that time, Gary Wilson really was like on a tear, handling up on his business. 
Uh, he was the guy that people were focused on. They had a whole spiel about Elijah Moore in the locker room being upset, talking about he don't get no targets, all these different things that were going on. And I just think in the process, you had the Giants winning and, and the New York Jets winning, and everybody in New York was going crazy, and nobody kind of did any damage control after that. Like, people just kept it up here. Like, man, the Jets, they were playing pretty good this season. So, you know, Gary Wilson was going to be thrust into that, you know, into the forefront. But I just think that it has a lot to do with where they play. And also, I just feel like when, when it came down to it, Chris Olave on national TV, when the whole world was watching, he didn't play well. Uh, our record was one uh, win worse than the Jets. Olave averaged less targets per game. I don't think the point you're making, you're making are true. Um. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I, probably, I definitely misquote when it comes to, like, the targets. I'm looking at it from a primary – I guess I'm looking at it from a primary target. Like, who else are you going to throw the ball to besides Olave versus a guy who, you know, had other, other pieces around him? Like, if he wasn't playing or, you know, he was, like, you know, dealing with an ailment or something like, like that, other guys could go get it too. Corey Davis can get it. Uh, he can go out there and he can get the football. Um, you know, Elijah Moore is the same way. Uh, C.J. Uzama is another guy, you know, tight end that, that played for the Bengals last year. Um, so that's the way that I was I was looking at it. Um, but all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is this: um, you can you can whine and boohoo about it all day, all night. The Jets are a more popular team than the New Orleans Saints. Period. So if they got a guy that's doing something, if they got some a guy that's doing it better. Or on the same scale, <laughs> the Saints are not going to get like they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. That's just something that you just gonna to have to come to grips with. If you got two guys that are on the same playing field, doing the same stuff, one guy plays for a team in which the market is huge, right? Yeah, you know, like they're going to elevate this guy, right? They're gonna elevate this guy, they're gonna push this guy, they're gonna put this dude to the forefront. And it's going to make that guy who probably had the same numbers as him and play in a smaller market, it's going to make him look, you know, microscopic. And that's what happened. Like, you you think anybody care? Oh, the Jets had one, one uh, win worse than, you know, the, the Saints had one win less than the Jets. Who cares? It's the Jets. They're a New York team, and the Saints have a small media market that can't touch, the, you know, can't touch the Jets. So if a guy for the Jets is doing better, that's just the way that it's going to be. I don't make the rules, man. You can come up with all these different types of statistics all you want to all day, all night. Nobody cares. How many times have we seen Drew Brees put up great numbers all season, you know what I'm saying, for, for years? Never was MVP, right? Always was outshined by somebody else who got the majority of the attention. Always got outshined by Aaron Rodgers. Always got outshined by Peyton Manning. Always got outshined by Tom Brady, even though his numbers look great, even though, you know, what I'm saying he was doing it at a high level. You know, so that's just that's just what it is. Sorry, uh, Jets are not more popular than the Saints. No one up there cares about the Jets, the Giants fans. Man, I don't know what you like. I don't know where you stay. <laughs> I don't know where you stay at. But like I said, that's that's <laughs> that is def that is not true. That is that is not true. They those people, those like New Yorkers, 
and people around that surrounding area, they love the Jets. <laughs> they they love the Jets. And then, yo, you can talk about as far as relevancy, as far as playing the game. Okay, the Saints, you know what I'm saying? As far as like success over the last couple of years, you know what I'm saying, years, over a decade and a half. Yeah, the Saints. But we ain't touch like we're not. This ain't even worth a conversation. We not like Louisiana is not touching the New York market at all. We, we ain't touching it. Like, don't don't let those, you know what I'm saying? Don't let those few people like in Louisiana and then you travel out and you see somebody with a Fleur de Lee hat on. Like, New York is a mecca when it comes to news. A mecca. Like all the major news outlets sports news outlets cover new york sports no matter if the team is good or not like the mets you know as trash as they've been right they still <laughs> you know so they still getting attention that's just the way that it is man that, that's just the way that it goes and expect like and honestly the reason why nobody was talking about them is because they weren't doing anything the jet like think about this the jets like I said, they started the season off extremely hot. And then once, like, they started winning, they won, like, like, in that six-game span, man, they were, like, red hot. All, all the sports shows was talking about the Jets. People going absolutely insane out there in New York City. When the Jets win, when the Jets do anything that, that's above what they've been doing in the past, they're going to they're gonna put them boys on the, uh, at the forefront. So I mean, like I said, I don't I don't make the rules. <laughs> I'm just telling you that they the media moves the needle. And when you st- and when you have a team in New York City, in Philadelphia, they're always going to be they're always going to trump like some of these smaller market teams. A uh, great hire by the Carolina Panthers, if I remember correctly, Frank Wright wanted Jameis Winston. I can see Jameis in Carolina. And I wouldn't want to see Jameis Revenge Tour versus the South. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it's a good high, and I think that it's going to benefit their team. The Saints are just going to have to figure out a way to try to try to fix the issues that they have and make themselves competitive. Uh, prediction: Peyton will go back to Fox. He screwed the Saints so many ways. Uh, karma is an undefeated <laughs> mistress. Uh, Jersey cares about the Jets. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, if the NFL is so concerned about big markets, then why did they give us a team in the first place? That's not our fault. No, it's not saying that they don't care. Like, it's not to say that they don't, you know, they don't care about smaller markets. I'm just saying, like, the ones that that put the eyes on the product, they feel. The ones that are going to be glued to the television or the ones that they cater to, which is the larger market teams. Like, why do you think no matter how trash the Dallas Cowboys have been, they always talking about? It? How come you think every time, you know, some some other team like the Giants or, you know, all these other teams out here ain't been winning nothing? Why do you think that they always constantly still talk about them? Why don't you like the NFC East was one of the best divisions in football this season? But how many years have they been one of the worst? And yet they still got all the attention. It's not to say that they don't care about the smaller market teams. It's just the fact that they are not, they're not in the business of trying to elevate those teams. 
You know, they they rather try to focus on on the teams that, you know, that that are in bigger media markets. Alave had no chance at offensive player of the year versus guys like uh, the Cheetah, Jetta, AJ Brown, Travis Kelsey, etc. I think I, I think we I think we uh missing a point here, uh, aka. Um look, I, I <laughs> it's not offensive player of the year. It was offensive rookie of the year. And I agree. Like if he was up against that type of competition, nah, he probably wouldn't make it. But uh lucky for him, he he's going for rookie of the <laughs> rookie of the year. Um, let's see. Why can't any teams ever cover Kelsey? Uh it's it's just the matchup, it's the way that they use him. And it's also, man, it's <laughs> Man, Andy Reid is such a genius, man. Um, it's some it's, it's the way that they use him, right? So if you watch the game uh <laughs> against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they will have him almost like like have him playing as if he's the like a blocker, like a he'll be a blocking tight end, right? And he'll just stay in like one spot. And then as like the linebacker, like, oh man, he ain't about to run no route. They'll go out and try to help out on defense on like a slot, a slot receiver, or maybe move to like, you know, maybe the X receiver. And then he'll just sneak out. He'll like he'll just shoot out and he, he just wide open. It's the way that they use him, man. It is the it's the it's the delay. It's the delay of blocking that he does. So he will stand up, he'll block and he'll jam, and he'll like, you know, constantly like move his hands like this. And then, like, when nobody just think that he going to be a pass catcher on the play, he just shoots out. And it's also, like I said, it's just the way that they have him lined up. Go back and watch that game. That is hard to defend. That's the reason why they can't guard him, because you don't know you don't know if he's going to stay in as a blocker. Now, you, you could, like, easily say, well, why don't you always just have a spy on him? Well, it's kind of like pick your poison. When you have those guys on the outside, if they playing one-on-one and – Let's just say Juju gets open, right? I mean, <laughs> that's a touchdown right there. So if you got a linebacker like spying, you know, you think about this. You got the linebacker that got to look at Kelsey, and then you got to think about McKinnon in the backfield or, uh, you know, a running back that's in the backfield, and then you got to account for Kelsey. So if Kelsey not moving, and you see this running back like, you know, going into motion like man, he man, I gotta I gotta guard him. If I don't, he gonna catch the ball. That leaves him wide open, and all the person that can get him, maybe is you know a, another safety, or if you have another nickel out there, and he gonna win that matchup every time because he's much bigger and much stronger than they are. So it's um, it's a beautiful thing to watch, man. It, it's it's a lot. It's a lot going on. It's a lot going on, and it's hard. <laughs> like it is it, is. You at home, you wondering like, hey, how do you can't guard this dude? But I'm telling you, like in real time, when you like, man, your head is like on a swivel, and you looking left and right, you trying to figure out like who you need to guard. I mean, it's tough. If if you if you guard him, then guess what? I mean, the running back gonna eat all day, right? You know, so that's that. It it works. <laughs> it's just the way that uh, Andy Reid does that. That. That touchdown that he caught in the red zone was just a prime example of how you how you just can't guard this dude. Like nobody, like nobody would have thought that he would have scored that touchdown based on how he was positioned. Like he is, it looked like he was just in just a block, like as if you know it was a running play or something. 
Oh, he was a part of a jumbo pack. And um, the man is, the man is awesome, man. I want Olave to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, but compared to the season that uh, Kamara had as a rookie, it's not even close to being that dynamic. Yeah, I mean, look, Kamara kind of came on down a stretch because for a, a long period, a lot of people thought that Kareem Hunt was going to win Rookie of the Year. And then all of a sudden, like, after that Detroit Lions game and, and Kamara's rookie year, he just took off. And it was just, it was just his uh, award to lose. Chris Olave ain't winning no award with Andy Dalton as his quarterback. I'll be dang. Well, I mean, he, he put up the numbers to be in that conversation, so it's possible, I guess. Why can't any teams ever cover Kelsey? I already kind of went over that. TJ, if you don't uh, do something this offseason, especially leading up to the draft, maybe it's going to be a problem or Loomis putting all the chips forward. Yeah, you definitely got to do something this season. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Uh, but they got to figure something out. But, man, we'll see, man. I don't think the Saints are going to be as bad as we think they're going to be. It's, it's giving me Seattle Seahawks vibes. You know, like how everybody just thought Seattle was just going to fall off the face of the earth when Russell Wilson uh, left and they still was pretty formidable. Man, they just need a – like the Saints need a running back and they need themselves a quarterback. Like I, I feel like you need a running back. And you, you need to be able to establish the running game. That's what I feel like the Saints need. Like, I feel like if you can run the ball, hold on to the football. My goodness. Hold on to the football. You'll be all right. But they got to find, find ways to run the football, and they definitely got to find ways to be more creative offensively. Because that, that offense that the Saints have, like, that, man, that, they, they need to do something with that. I feel like they they look if you're gonna bring back P. Carmichael, whatever. All right, but I don't think that it should just be them. I think they need some some fresh, young, <laughs> energetic ideas in that facility. Like that three yards in a cloud of dust, that boring conservative mentality is not gonna produce anything. That 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 is a losing culture that they're creating out there in New Orleans, man. And that's concerning. It's more concerning than even having Dennis Allen as a head coach. It's, it's about do these guys believe that they can win? Do these guys believe that you're putting them in the best position to succeed? And also, how appealing is this spot if you're a free agent? Because you may be a piece of weight, and a guy might come visit, and he might see the quarterback situation or the offensive situation. That might be a turnoff to him, but like, man, I'm going to be at the work twice as hard and i, I want to make the playoffs i want to be able to get a chance and a shot at a championship and guys want to feel like they got some hope you know but looking at the saints man it sometimes it make you as a fan feel hopeless so i can only imagine the guys that's putting in the work every single day how they feel tj the title says offensive player of the year uh just letting you know unless uh you meant that oh my bad well i apologize let me see if I can fix this real quick. Offensive rookie of the year. Okay, let me go ahead and fix that. All right, let me fix it on a, a couple of these uh, channels here. <laughs> ah, thank you for that. Yeah, I meant offensive. Uh, I meant offensive rookie of the year. All right, so let me go ahead and fix that. Save that real quick. All right, but anyway, we'll correct that. But thank you, man. But I'm an offensive rookie of the year. Thank you for that uh, correcting it. You're right, TJ. 
Right now, they're giving me uh, Miami vibes back when they <laughs> had Fitzpatrick. <laughs> uh, Roger, thank you very much for the $5. Says, I think they should give Jameis Winston another chance. I think they should, but more than likely, it's not going to happen. They're going to go in a different direction. Um, but I could be wrong. You know, everybody thought that Pete Carmichael was on his way out the door. So we'll see. My theory is Sean is doing a pony show uh, this coaching cycle. Uh, Saints kept most of the coaches. DA will be fired and Sean will be back. Vic Fangio will be the DC in the following season. Well, that's that's a man. That's an interesting way of looking at it. And that's, that's something I ain't going to lie, cross my mind. Uh, but I'm, my biggest concern is you stepping away from the game and the guys that you stepped away from, some of them still being in the locker room. Like, how would that affect them as far as, like, your coaching style and the message that you have to the locker room? And those guys are in leadership roles. So interesting to see what they'll be doing with that going forward. But – Look, I don't know what the dog and pony show for. Like, the only thing this is showing me is that you're not as hot as you thought you were, right? Nobody, like, I don't know if you thought, like, as soon as you step out and say, oh, I'm, I'm interested in coaching again, everybody was like, ooh, 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 me, 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 and they pushing people out the way. But as you can see, man, these, these coaches, well, not these coaches, but these owners are watching these coaches that are young and vibrant and energetic and innovative and they can, like I said, they can pay these guys five, ten million dollars for their first shot as being a head coach. But then here you coming in, almost sixty years old, if not sixty, you know. And you know you got your one Super Bowl and sixty percent winning percentage. But you know <laughs> that that ain't really that ain't impressing nobody. You know, not not like that. Especially if you can get a coach that's younger that can do some of the same things you're doing. So I think that you know it didn't pan out the way that he thought it was going to be. I don't know if Sean Payton listened to the media a little bit too much. Maybe, you know, he, he was listening to these type of scenarios and, oh, you can, he can play here. I heard that this team would die to have a guy like this. And maybe he thought, like, he was he was hotter than what he was, and it turns out he wasn't. And maybe he just stepped up in there, thought he was going to call his shot, and everybody was just going to fall and be like, oh, yeah, whatever you want, Sean, whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, like when you start talking, and these guys like, man, I don't know if I want to give you this. I don't know if I won't give you that. Well, let me let me call up Frank Wright. You know, let me call up D'Amico Ryan's, right? Let me let me call up, you know, one of these other coaches out here. Hey, man, no matter how good you think you are, man, sometimes, sometimes you need that that slap of reality. Sometimes we can get too too high on our horse that we think that we holier than thou or we're better. <laughs> that we actually are, you know, in the eyes of others. But um, I, I mean, I don't know. You know. I think these these owners want to go in a different direction, and they want to win with guys that they find, not some guy that already been established already. Uh, especially if they talking about paying, get, getting paid twenty million dollars. Uh, we will win two games next season, <laughs> then fire Dennis Allen. Then we will draft the USC quarterback with the first pick in the 2024 NFL draft. Um, I ain't gonna lie, based on some of these moves and and what we've seen, that that wouldn't be that would <laughs> you would be hard pressed not to like partially agree with what you're saying. But I don't think that 
I don't think they're gonna be as bad as we think. Like I, I think they, I think they're gonna be better than a lot of people think that they are. I just think that we looked at this team this season and we're like, I think our expectations of eleven and twelve games and they end up winning six or seven and it just kind of just broke us. So now we just expect the worst because we don't have any confidence in anybody in that in that uh in the organization right now from a coaching perspective. Uh, was really hoping you capitalize on getting some draft capital for Peyton. I think we all did. But, I mean, if that don't work, you got to make sure that you have the right people in place in order for you to get something that you need. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, the edge from Florida State. The Jets also picked up, but he was not uh, that impactful yet. Nah, but he will be. He will be. He's just a little raw. He He reminds me of, what's the dude's name? Um, man, um, somebody help me out. He played for the Lions and he went to BYU. Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. Uh, I, somebody, somebody help me out. His name is like on the tip of my tongue, but, um, he ended up like playing for the Lions. Um, pretty doggone good. Played a little bit with a Dominican Sue. Somebody about to give me a name. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Ziggy answer. Thank you. Ziggy answer. Thank you so much thing his name but yeah like that's what he remind me of like you know he came in he was raw and um you know they worked with him and he was pretty good called ourselves a pretty decent career tj when you put up the uh, comparison with mccartney that exposed the real and teams fell back now i ain't got nothing to do with that man i ain't got <laughs> i ain't got nothing to do with that I, I don't have anything to do with that like i don't want to believe i got that type of influence if i do then somebody need to be fired uh, it's just as simple as that. Like, I just, man, I just just wonder sometimes. Like I just, like I, I just, I just be asking questions, or you know, I, I have like, you know, I just have these thoughts. I have thoughts about these things. Like, why is it? Why is it that the NFL world looked at Mike McCarthy one way and looked at Sean Payton another another way? I mean, both of these guys had legendary quarterbacks, right? Both of these guys. <laughs> who they uh, who they coach are going to end up in the Hall of Fame? Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Both of these guys have a sixty percent winning percentage. Both of these guys have one Super Bowl, but yet everybody in Dallas is talking about you know firing Mike McCarthy for Sean Payton. Like there's no difference. The only like the only difference that I can see is, is Sean Payton's personality. That's it. Like Sean Payton is Mike McCarthy with a personality. Yeah, that's the only thing that I see. I, I'm just I'm just saying. And I'm also saying that based on the things that I just mentioned, teams are looking like, yeah, you won a lot of games, but I ain't, ain't too many Super Bowls was out there. Now, I feel like this would be a different case. Now, if Bill Belichick, if he left the Patriots, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think we'll be having this conversation. I think that, it would be one of those Andy Reid situations. It would be Andy Reid stepped down, or they were going to fire him anyway from Philadelphia. He he left on Sunday and was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs on Tuesday. You know, that's, that's kind of like how it was. Like, so I think it would be the same way with Bill Belichick. After all this, the one thing I'm glad didn't happen was Drew Brees coming back like he uh, considered last uh, offseason. I love that man, but he was clearly a shell of his former self 
last season. Well, look, um, if we talking about Drew Brees, uh, man, I, I love Drew Brees, but well, we're going into year three. Drew Brees being retired. So, I don't know. I think it's just time for us to move on, man. Time for us to move on. You know, I, I definitely feel like, you know, Drew Brees, you know, he gave he gave the city of New Orleans everything he had, man. He, he, he gave him everything he had. And uh, now it's time for us to try to find somebody else that can fill that man's shoes. Jets had the best draft, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and uh, Brees Hall. Um, let's see. Wow. Second is the uh, Seahawks with uh, Tariq Woolen, uh, Kenneth Walker, and Charles Cross. Oh, yeah. And then you got to put uh, Abraham Lucas on there, too. Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, both of these guys, you know, one was the left tackle, which is Charles Cross, right tackle is Abraham Lucas from Washington State. So, yeah. I mean, both, all of them had, like, really good drafts, solid drafts. You know? I mean, and you look at the Saints. Saints, The Saints had a, a pretty decent draft. You know, like, I mean, you had Chris Olave, pretty good. What, what we seen from Trevor Penning, you know, he has some, he has great upside. We've seen some time we pancaking guys and finishing plays. Um, what, what can we not say about Lante Taylor? A lot of people feel like, you know, he, he should be the starter next season. Then you you have other guys that were like undrafted and stuff like that, like Rashid Shahid. You know, like he he had a really good season. And then you also have another guy who I'm very excited about seeing, and he had a really good camp before he ended up getting injured. That's DeMarco Jackson. So you have yourself a young linebacker, you know, that's out there that's probably going to be able to make plays and any any good in coverage. So the Saints didn't have a bad draft either. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. They definitely had like one of the top drafts. The same comparison I already read that. Uh, I think teams are starting to realize exactly what you're saying. Uh, TJ and the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I hear that. That's determined so long. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely feel like people are probably taking that into consideration. Like, it's not like we talking about Belichick here. It's not like we talking about, I don't know, shoot, a, a multi- multi-time Super Bowl winning coach, right? Talking about a guy who won one Super Bowl, won a whole bunch of games, and couldn't really get the job done, you know, when, with a legendary quarterback. And, it, and there were times, if you go back and look, you know, Sean Payton cost the Saints games by being too too arrogant, being too full of himself, <laughs> overthinking himself. Now, not to say that nobody wouldn't, like, wouldn't hire him. I'm just saying, like, some of the things you probably demanding is like for a guy that's been winning multiple Super Bowls, not some guy that just won 60% of his games, won Super Bowl with a legendary quarterback. You guys see how the media shifts their narrative, though. They were uh, propping Sean Payton as the savior a week ago. Yep, you see that, right? And that's that's why I said at the top of the show when I was talking about this voting, I said the media is interested in storylines. Whatever storyline is most compelling, they're going to they're going to push that, right? If there's a player out there, you know, that they can select, a guy that's probably, you know, kind of a free spirit or whatever like that, they're going to put the focal point on him, right? Because they want to make stories appealing. So the Sean Payton sweet stakes thing was appealing. But then, you know, <laughs> I guess they, they wanted to prop him up, and now that 
you know, some a week that went by and they're like, man, why are you still out here? So now you got to start doing some digging. Like, why is Sean Payton still on the street? We, we, we thought that he should have been picked up as soon as he said that he was the coach again. But here we are, you know, so now you got to dig and try to figure out why nobody want him. And of course, you know, if you've been spending a whole entire week, uh, you know, waving the pom-poms in the air and putting yourself on the line, of course, you know, they're going to go back and renege because their reputation means everything to them. So they're going to go ahead and they're going to try to moonwalk like Michael Jackson, the 25th Motown anniversary. They're going to do it because, you know, like, oh, man, Sean is not going to be out here long. He's not going to be out here long. And then all of a sudden, like when he's still out here, well, you know, I thought he wasn't going to be out here long. But that is until I heard blah, 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 blah. Right. Whatever. Right. We can't ever just say, man, I thought he was going to be, you know, taken. And then all of a sudden, you know, we went by. He's still out here. I guess it's my mistake. You know, you know, I, I thought he was going to be gone. You know, I, I guess, you know, the the information I put out there wasn't right. We, we ain't going to say that, though. We ain't going to say that. We're going to backtrack and moonwalk. When Sean left, he took bad draft picking with him. <laughs> Unless the Saints win games and make us eat crow next year. I think everybody would enjoy that bowl of crow. You know, nobody would nobody would would shy away from that crow. We we are hoping that we have some crow being eaten next season. Everybody, like including myself. I wish I had about two, three bowls of crow. But right now it's looking pretty bleak. You know, we we some St. Louis fans right now. You gotta show me. You know, yeah, you gotta show me what you're talking about. When people say teams are beginning to realize, they really mean teams are beginning to <laughs> stop neglecting. Uh, these are billion-dollar companies. Uh, they know and see all. Exactly. They know what's going on, KT. They know what's happening. They know what the skinny is, man. And, and it's, it's very few things that they don't know about. Now, they, uh, they get privy to a lot of stuff that we will never know. Uh, Peyton liked the idea of coaching Russell Wilson and having that defense, but fears a potential power struggle with a member of the ownership group. So it says, man, we all know that that's a problem with Sean Payton because it was a problem with Sean Payton when Rita Benson LeBlanc was uh, overseeing the team. Why do you think that Rita Benson LeBlanc got fired? Seriously. Why do you think that her grandfather, the late great Tom Benson, let her go? Like if we want to be, if we want to keep it a buck, Rita Benson LeBlanc was probably the best. I'm going to just call her owner because during the time, Tom Benson was kind of, you know, sickly. So he wasn't really doing the day-to-day operations like she was. She was holding these boys accountable. And, you know what I'm saying, she was like, <laughs> and Sean Payton didn't like her, you know, because she was, she demanded excellence. She demanded, you know, things to, to happen and, and kept people on their toes. And wanted people to know, like, man, if you ain't doing your job, then we got a problem. Now, they made it seem like, you know, like she was, you know, like a dictator or something like that. But she wasn't. And it just seemed like to me, like Sean Payton doesn't like that. He wants to be the final say so. And it come to these situations. But I, I like it. I, I feel like, honestly, I, I wish they had a Rita Benson LeBlanc on, on staff right now. Cause there's no way in hell you'll be sitting around here with Dennis Allen as your head coach and bringing back conservative, but Oh, conservative Pete Carmichael, you know? So 
I don't think too many people remember that, but Rita, like Rita Benson LeBlanc, you know, ended up like getting the powers taken away from him. Um, you know, and I think it had a lot to do with, with Sean Payton and her bumping heads. I, I think that, I think you would, if, if they, if she didn't have the falling out with Tom Benson, um, and she would have still been around, and let's just say her and Gail Benson was kind of like collaborating together. We wouldn't, you know, we I, I don't think we would be having some of these issues. I, I I liked her a lot. Like I I I got a lot of respect for her. Like for real. Like she understands that football is a business, and is is it is a business that is about results. It's a results driven business like you you keep your you keep put your ego in check and you do what's best for business but ain't no way in the world some of this stuff would have been flying if rita benson was still around yeah it's like the saints don't even have an owner uh we got an owner who's clueless on the inept coaches look so to be fair to be fair gail benson inherited this team through marriage you know so I think anybody that's expecting her to like rule the Saints world with iron fists, like Tom Benson was during the time he was there. And a lot of the decisions he made was terrible decisions because he would cheat. God rest his soul, but it is what it is. He would cheat. And that's the reason why, you know, you let guys like Leroy Glover go, Joe Johnson, you know, Sammy Knight. Y'all remember the time. Some of y'all remember what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are probably losing. Uh, but you know, during them, them early two thousands, when the Saints had like a bomb defense, you know, you had playmakers on E level, and they and they just let them boys go because because he, he didn't want to pay him, he didn't want to pay him. So, you know, like Gail it, inherited its team, this team, and like I said, I don't expect for her to like be with, you know, just. On some Jim Ursay, Jerry Jones type stuff. That's just not who she is. But it's about having the right people in place. But I, I just think that people are too comfortable up there. Like people are too comfortable. People, <laughs> this this is a losing franchise, and the guys who are responsible for making this team relevant are still there. So they forever indebted to these guys, right? So they they allow these guys to do crazy stuff and make mistakes and. Nobody says anything. Oh, you'll get them next time. Because, you know, it's like if we move on from these guys, we might go back to being losers again. But they slowly starting to kind of seep back to the way that it was. And we don't want that. So hopefully they can go ahead and get over this and we can move on. But I don't blame Gail Benson for that. Gail Benson is who she is. If you bring Rita back, you will be rooting for the San Antonio Saints. Stop it. Uh, my no, I think you got that misinformed, man. Tom Benson was the one that wanted to move the team to uh San Antonio, and this, and honestly, he never really wanted to do it. He just wanted the Superdome to be renovated again. That so he kind of it is all. It was a business power play. It was a power play. It was a. It was almost like you know, if if you want your son or your daughter to do something, you like. I'm going to take that video game away from you. You don't go up here and watch these dishes. Like, oh, wait, let me stop. Let me go watch these dishes. It was, it's kind of like that. Like, he never had the intentions of moving. Like, he, he didn't want to move the team. He, he just kind of threatened them because he wanted, to, you know, the city to kind of, you know, do what he wanted to do. 
that 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 whole moving to San Antonio thing, that wouldn't happen. Because even though she was there, even though she was there, like he still was like the final say so. And still, re, like Gail Benson was still like the the successor to like the team. So it still would have had to, it still would have had to go by her. Like she was just like on on, on the president, she was just the president of the team. She was the one just kind of just running the day to day. But all decisions still would have had to end up being Tom or being Gail. So she just she just would have been a figurehead. That's why I say you I feel like it's necessary that <laughs> if she would have stayed around, I don't think a lot of these things would happen the way that they do. Cause you need somebody like, honestly, you need somebody like that. You, you need somebody that have a no nonsense type attitude, especially when you have a business, when guys probably have, you know, they have like a passive mentality. So you need that one person, you know, you need that one person that can do that. Uh, how do you not resign Willie Rofe? Have not a clue. When ticket sales fall, Mrs. Minister will wake up then. <laughs> Uh, Saints need to hire some former players on staff. Um, if they if they got a good executive mind, I mean, I'm not in a business of just hiring people based on who they are. Like, what can you bring to the table? Like, if we talking about playing football, X's and O's, and you still got some left in the tank, yeah. But we talking about executive decisions, understanding the salary cap, understanding player placements. Like, just because a guy is great in one thing don't mean they're going to be great in something like that. So if they if they can do it, then I say hire them, not just based on who they are. Like I'm not in the business of hiring Drew Brees as offensive coordinator because he was a great quarterback. I don't know how good Drew Brees would be as offensive coordinator. You know, like you you don't know how these guys are going to be. Just because they were great at one thing don't mean they're going to be great at something else. Uh, we really rely on Sean Payton to run the whole franchise now. He gone and we looking foolish, allowing Sean to be the one and all man uh, has crippled us. Now we have to step up without him. Yeah, I mean, it also it does make you wonder, like how instrumental this dude was in all the day to day operations. Maybe a lot of people was getting paid that shouldn't have got paid. If you get what I'm saying, uh, anyone tried Joe Horn's barbecue sauce? No, I have not. I I have not. I didn't even know Joe Horn had barbecue sauce. So how did well they get Gail the chance? Uh, let's see to change head coaches with the Pelicans. That's a good question. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know how that worked. I, I don't know how that worked. <laughs> that, that's that's an interesting question. But I'm pretty sure it probably has something to do with the stars of the team, maybe coming to her, you know, coming to uh, management and probably saying to them, you know, she probably said, man, we need to do something before we lose these guys. Because I think it's a little different in basketball too, you know. Man, these guys ain't signing four and five year deals and having fifth year options, right? At best, these guys, like when you draft them, they're with you probably like two years, right? So, man, you got to keep these dudes happy. Like, you got to keep them happy or they're going to go somewhere else. Like, they're going to force themselves out. Like, it's different. Like, in football, if you sign like a five year deal and you unhappy, like, man, whatever, man, we got you sold up for the next five years. Like, what you going to do? Like what you gonna do? Every time you don't show up, you you lose money, you know. So it, it's a it's a little it's a little different. So when those guys speak, you you better listen. Are you gonna be met? And then 
you know, it's so is is very close knit in the NBA as well. You know, guys talk to each other all the time, and that can cause you a free agent that can come to your team that can help you win down the line. So when they speak, you better listen, or you're gonna really be set back for years. Uh, what you think of the quarterback that will be drafted out of Tennessee? Uh, Henry Hooker. I think he's a talented quarterback. I think that uh, he has uh, great instincts. I think that he has a good zip on the ball, um, great accuracy. Um, sometimes the the thing that concerns me is he get a little bit of happy feet when you could put pressure on. You know, he 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 don't set his feet and he just kind of get a little erratic. But there's not nothing I feel like he can work on. You know, but all in all, I think he's a solid quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be an elite quarterback, but I think he'll be good, and I think you can win with him. Uh, I don't agree with Rob Parker much, but he was right about Peyton. <laughs> I like Rob Parker, man. Like, Rob Parker is entertaining. He's an entertaining guy and um, really smart, too, man, really smart, intelligent guy. Like, you can, you can tell a part of what he's doing is kind of just for the entertainment purposes, and then you got the other, other times where I just feel like, you know, he really be being sincere about what he's saying. I tried Johan barbecue sauce. He was selling his barbecue sauce in 2012 at a local Winn-Dixie in Mississippi and again at Sam's Club. Man, who who, who mama recipe that boy Johan trying to <laughs> that man that man that took that man that took his mama recipe at night trying to get paid up. <laughs> oh man. Nah, but I, I ain't never tried it though. I, I never tried it. Um, but I'm gonna have to give it a shot if, if it's still out right now. How about that Wolves Pell game? My team got y'all. Um, yeah, I ain't been I ain't been keeping up. Honestly, I ain't been keeping up with the NBA like that. I mean, I've been watching it from time to time. I know, man, the, the New Orleans Saints uh, uh injury thing must have kind of, you know, radiated off the Saints to the Pelicans. I don't know. Who, who, like, I don't know if they got the same doctors or what. I don't know what the heck going on. But in New Orleans, you can't stay healthy. <laughs> Shoot, you you. You had a you know you had a two month minimum at best when you injured. Uh, the same five year plan will be horrible. I hope not. T Wolves ain't winning nothing, so you want to cook it for that regular season win? Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves. I mean, if it's if it's anything like it was last season when they had twenty three point leads, sixteen point leads, seventeen point leads in the in the playoff games and still losing. Um, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Let's see. I can't bring myself uh, to stressing about this team due to the poor decisions they made. Until he proves otherwise, I can't get excited for a Dennis Allen-led team. I mean, I think everybody feel the same way. Like, but I will say this. It kind of feels good to walk go into a season with zero expectations. Like, usually when we watch the New Orleans Saints, there were, the, the expectations are high. Like, we up here trying to look and trying to see if these boys going to go to that Super Bowl, right? But now it's like, eh, okay, you know, like, we know they ain't going to be good. Or, you know, if they don't be good, we not upset. If they are good, then that'll be a pleasant surprise. But nobody just sitting up there, like, with the same type of enthusiasm and energy like, like it's been in years past. And honestly, it, it kind of feels good. Like, it... From a from a content standpoint, from a content standpoint, me doing this podcast, me talking sports, it, it's it's good, right? Because throughout the years, you know, when they had Sean Payton and Drew Brees, 
wasn't too much going on. Like, yeah, we need a we need a cornerback here. Uh, we need a running back there. But you kind of knew, okay, we had the right coach and we had the right quarterback. So anything else, uh, we we know at least we can win eight games with that, just off that alone. So we just got to figure out how to win two more to get to 10. But now it's like the Saints might win 10 games. They might win six games. They might win four games. We don't know. But, it, I mean, it's exciting, like I said, from a content standpoint. But as a fan, once I take that that, that – podcaster slash broadcaster hat off it as a fan like it's it's pretty miserable you know i just want my team to be good i just want to be good that's it that's, i just want my team to be good but thank you all so much for checking out the state of the saints podcast really do appreciate it much love to everybody here ask that you hit the like button on your way out thank you to everybody that donated to the state of the saints podcast um also uh we got some new t-shirts that's available right now um, you can get a State of the Saints podcast uh, T-shirt. And also, we got some uh, T-shirts for the Gumbo Pie Sports podcast uh, that are available. Um, I mean, I'm excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been a while since I, you know, created some new T-shirts. So they are available right now. If you go to uh, Facebook.com, search the State of the Saints podcast, there's a link that's available where you can click on there and check out the new T-shirts and new merchandise that we have here for the State of the Saints podcast. So uh, thank you all so much. Uh, also want to say to everybody out there um, that for those that have not subscribed to this channel, right, if you have not subscribed, please hit the subscription button. And you have previous episodes that are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, and follow me on Twitter at TJAYJones8. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that? <laughs>